tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and here we are at Season 1, Episode 4, The Whaley House. Today, I have with me Haley, and Haley, you you know The Whaley House because we've been there. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I think I was kind of young-ish, though. But you remember going there? I remember going there, but, like, I don't know any of this. I don't know who The Whaley's are. I don't know. You don't remember any of that? No. We can do a podcast called Haunted History and and be from California without talking about the Whaley House. The Whaley House, according to the Travel Channel's America's Most Haunted, the house was the number one haunted house in the United States. And in 2005, Life magazine named it also the most haunted house in America. The hauntings of the Whaley House have been reported on numerous television shows and written about books and online since it opened in a museum in 1961. But as haunted... As so many say it is, who and why are they haunting there? Um, the two-story Greek Revival house was designed by Thomas Whaley himself, and the construction began on May 6, 1856, and completed in 1857. The cost of the house was about $10,000, and it was made from bricks from the Whaley's brickyard. The house was the first of its kind in San Diego, and Thomas Whaley is quoted as saying, My new house, when completed, will be the most handsomest, most comfortable and convenient place in town or with a, within 150 miles from here. He was actually quoted that in the San Diego Coast Life. Their new house was known as a finest in Southern California, just like he had predicted. The house was furnished with mahogany and rosewood furniture, beautiful carpet, damask drapes, and considered a mansion for its time and place. The residence became soon became the gallery place for San Diego. The site of the future home was anything but ideal, though. Thomas Whaley, as a young man, bought the lot for really cheap, and the reason that he did was because he stood as a witness at the hanging of a gentleman known as Yankee Jim. You don't remember that story? No, but who are the Whaleys? Like, why is their house famous? Were they, like, mayors, governors, or no, just they a were, random family? No, they were just a random family. What made, him, made people talk about it was because he was building this huge, beautiful house in downtown San Diego basically oh. that was it's considered downtown San Diego now but it's kind of complicated you know where the gas lamp district is in San Diego and I don't yeah. know if our listeners know but in San Diego there's a gas, gas lamp district or that's what they call it now um, the San Diego town proper was part of it, it, I don't really understand I, it, apparently Part of old, of old Town San Diego was San Diego proper. It was like where everything, the gathering place where everybody was. And then the gas lamp district became the new downtown San Diego proper. But at the time when he was building his house, that was where everybody in San Diego was. That's where... Well, and he built it. The, the other reason, too, is he built it to use it as part... Part of his house was used as the town courthouse. So it was just like the hub of the city San Diego. the town. Right, exactly. Got it. And he built the house. He bought the lot for really cheap. And the reason that he did is because it was actually part of the graveyard. And and weirdly enough, they don't discuss the hauntings as being caused by it being on a graveyard. Even though it was. I don't know that there was interments on that property. But 
if you go to San Diego now and you walk outside the Whaley House, and I know you remember this, is the street has those little gold coins marking where graves were. Yeah. So the street that. was built over it. The sidewalk was built over it. The Whaley House is right on that corner, which is right next to it. I think it's called El Campo Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Cemetery. Um, so that whole lot right there, like the cemetery was there, and then the lot where the Whaley House was built was where they hung people. And the most famous was the Sankey Jim guy. His name was Santiago Robinson. Mm-hmm. They called him Yankee Jim, and he was known. He had come to the mining areas of, of Southern California and Northern California, and he was known to just steal from people. He would. He was accused of murdering other miners. Like, the miners would get drunk, and he would prey on the weak and the drunk and murder them and steal all their stuff. Wow. And then in San Diego, he and two other gentlemen stole a boat. And he stole from the wrong people. These people were upstanding citizens of the town. They found out that he stole it. They got their boat back. But they knew that Yankee Jim stole the boat. And so they went to trial. And weirdly enough, back in those days, the two gentlemen whose boat got stolen were part of the jury. And they decided that he was guilty and that he would be hung for larceny. He didn't think that was going to happen. He was sort of full of himself. I could kind of almost picture him thinking he's going to get away with all these things. And he didn't think that he would be convicted because they got their boat back. And he was terribly wrong. And the judge decided that he was going to be hung. And he was six foot four, a really, really tall man. And they hung him from a tree that is exactly where the Whaley House was built. And he didn't, it didn't go well. He was, again, because he was really tall and in those days, they would pull a wagon up and stand the con- the convict up in the wagon and then put the noose around their neck and then they would pull the wagon away. But because he was so tall, when they pulled the wagon away, his toes touched the ground still. So it kind of took him a long time to die. And I don't know why Thomas Whaley thought that was a great place to build a house, but again, he got the property really, really cheap and decided that that was where he was going to build his home. Um, the home was built for himself and his family, Thomas and Anne Whaley, and their six children. Their six children were Francis, born December 28, 1854, Thomas Whaley, Jr., who was born August 18, 1856, Anna Amelia, born June 27, 1858, George Hay, he had two middle names, by the way, George Hay Ringgold, which is odd. Born November 5th, 1860. Violet Eloise was born October 14th, 1862. And Corrine Lillian was born September 4th, 1864. And it didn't take long for tragedy to strike the Whaley family. I mean, this was... It was often that children died back in the 1800s. So they had... How many children? How many did I say? Six. They had six children. So the likelihood of all of them making to adulthood was not likely. And Thomas Whaley, soon after they had moved in the house, um, suffered from scarlet fever. He was just uh, just under two months old, two years old, sorry, two years old. And he died on January 29th, 1858. Unfortunately, that wasn't the last tragedy to strike the Whaley family. At various times, the house was also Whaley's General Store, San Diego's second county courthouse, and the first com- commercial theater in San Diego. The house has witnessed more history than any other building in the city. So they lived in their house like, as their home while yeah. they had like these other things for they the had city. A cor- yeah, they had a courthouse downstairs. 
upstairs really red now and i wanted to ask you if you remember the the theater upstairs they called it a theater but it was really the size of a room i remember the courthouse that's like right when you walk in right it's on the first floor it's on the first floor next to the general store and the general store the store that's there now is part of the general store that the whaley's ran i think when we were there i didn't I didn't know that it was all of those things while they lived there. Like, I think I just thought that was part of, like, the museum that it is now. No, it was a story. I didn't realize that, like, they lived there and had their normal life with, like, people in the city. No, they did Going there every day for normal business. No, they did. Yeah, they lived lived in a different part of the house. And the courthouse was downstairs, the general store. Well, they ran, the wife, I think, ran the general store. And he ran a different business in town. And, um... Soon after they moved in, and the Whaley's discussed this back in the 1800s, it, it wasn't that unusual for them to discuss this. They talked about Yankee Jim haunting their house really early. They, which I, I don't know why I think it's weird that people talked about it in the 1800s. I think, I think actually people probably talked about things being haunted in ghosts and spirits back in the 1800s more often. And then we went through a stage where no one talked about it, no one accepted it, and then now we're back with the TV shows and everything else that it's more normal to talk about it. In the 1800s, I, I don't think people were afraid to talk about it. They just kind of accepted it, maybe because of the, reli- the religion spiritualism, which when we um, actually, when we do an episode of the Winchester Mansion, we will talk about spiritualism being a religious movement. Um, I, but I think maybe that made it more easy for people to talk about, but the Whaley's always discussed how their house was haunted by Yankee Jim. They could hear really loud footsteps um, upstairs. They heard groans. They heard a manly voice. And they discussed it. The children of the area would would sneak up at dark and try and listen at the door and see if they could hear anything or if they could see anything. But the, the Whaley's actually didn't stay there very long, they, and it wasn't because of that. In 1858, I said that 1858, that Thomas Whaley Jr. died. Well, right after he died, the front of the store caught on fire and destroyed a portion of the store. And this is where I'm confused, too, because they refer to it as Thomas Whaley's store burnt down and Thomas died, and so they wanted to move out of the house. But in another article, they talk about him owning a different business further into town or further somewhere else, and that caught on fire. So that was why they moved. So I don't want to say for sure that a portion of the Whaley house burned. One of his businesses burned and his son died. And so they actually up and moved to San Francisco. And they stayed there um, from 1859 all the way until 1868. In 1868, Thomas decided that he, well, there was an earthquake. They they were living in San Francisco and there was an earthquake. And then Thomas did some kind of business deal and decided that he wanted to move back to San Diego. So he moved back, fixed up the old Whaley house, which had been empty except for the courthouse and moved his family back to San Diego. So they went from the Whaley house in San Diego. Something happened. We don't know. Some well, fire happened. there was a fire happened. Their son died. And then a fire happened either at that house, which I don't, I don't believe. I think it was his other business. Okay. And, and then, then they moved to San Francisco and then an earthquake happened there. And then they moved right back into the same house in San Diego. Yeah, Thomas came back first, fixed up the house. The house had been vacant for 10 years, other than the courthouse was, I believe, still running there. He came back, fixed up the house, moved his family back. He moved back in the summer. On December 12, 1968, the whole entire family moved back to the Whaley house. And then, again, it was a bustling 
center of activity because they were all there and they ran the store again and uh, he had rented out the upstairs for the theater, which I was trying to talk to you about and we changed the subject. The theater, it was a troupe that was there. They were only there for a few months, I think. And they would put on full, full on shows and it was like a room. It was a, the size of a bedroom and they would fit 150 people in there. And the women were advised before they would come to a show not to wear their petticoats and bustles because they would be in their standing room only just to watch a show. Like that's how desperate they were for entertainment back in, in the day yeah. that they would go out and stand shoulder to shoulder just to see that. In 1870, the local merchants began to move to the newly established new town, the Gaslamp district, abandoning the old town and leaving it eerily quiet. Thomas Whaley was not ready to give up and continue to live in the house. In 1871, when Thomas was away on a business trip, a group of armed men held Anna Whaley at gunpoint and they seized courthouse records from the home. They say that was the turning point for the family, which I guess they just had a, a 10 years of just horrible luck and I can't really find it all, but they weren't happy the house was haunted. They discussed that and he had business deals that had gone bad. And then 1882 is really sad. In, on January 5th, 1882, Violet Eloise Whaley and Anna Amelia Whaley were both married in Old Town, San Diego. Violet married a gentleman named George Bertolacci, and Anna Amelia married her first cousin, John Whaley. Oh, my God. I know her first cousin. First cousin. Yeah. So her brother's... Her, I'm sorry. Here we go again with the whole family tree thing. So her dad's brother's son is who she married, her first cousin. And weirdly enough, there's nothing written about that. I guess that was normal in the 1882. But what happened is that Violet had married this gentleman named George Bertolacci. Two weeks into their marriage, and there's, again, conflicting information because we're going back to the 1800s. Some say that she was just disillusioned by the marriage and wanted a divorce and divorced him. Others say that he abandoned her and she found out that he had been married to several other people which I just did my Ancestry.com search like I always do. And I found him married to at least three different people from 1870 to 1890. Yeah. So he was not, he was just a bad guy. Not through no fault of her own. He had come off as a gentleman and they found, and ended up finding out that he only married into the Whaley family because of the dowry that she would have, that he was marrying into money and people that own this big mansion in San Diego yeah. and he left her and she came back to San Diego and she was shunned in the Victorian age women who had, I mean, even though she had, he, he basically was the bad guy. She could never get married again. She was considered because she was already married because once. she'd already been married once and she oh. married a criminal basically. Yeah. And so she didn't stand a chance of ever getting married again. And she was really depressed and really sad. And due to the social social standards of the time period, she was essentially shunned by polite society. She returned home by herself without her husband. And she was also unchaperoned when she returned. And that was something properly just simply didn't do in the 19th century. Yeah. She never recovered from the public humiliation and betrayal. And she committed suicide by shooting herself in the chest with Thomas's 32 caliber on August 18th, 1885. She was only 22 years old age. That's so sad. Yeah, she didn't do it easily either. And I remember hearing when we were there the stories that they told there. 
and I couldn't find it online, but that she went into, they had the, there was no bathroom in the house. It was an outhouse in the back. Do you remember that? Yeah, actually, yeah. And there was a tool shed back there, some kind of shed. And she told her sister she was going to feed the chickens. And her sister and mom were in the house. Thomas was working somewhere on the land. And they heard the gunshot and all went running and found her either in the outhouse or the shed, having shot herself in the chest. That's so horrible. Yeah. She left a suicide note that read, Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, Glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. And it's a poem written by Thomas Hood and apparently, uh, what's his name? Edgar Allan Poe refers to that poem a lot. So it's really dark and creepy. But the sad thing too, and, and we talk about this all the time, is how things were so different back then. Corrine, the little sister, her name's Corrine Lillian, she was engaged at the time that her sister committed suicide, but her fiance broke up to her, broke up with her because of the scandal of her sister's marriage, her sister returning without a man, unchaperoned, and then killing herself. Yeah, I think like your reputation in society was even a bigger deal back then than it is now. Like now, you think it's a big deal because social media, you see it everywhere, but it's almost like clear that's like celebrities are like the higher. Right. power of this hierarchy that we have and then it's just like normal civilians and it's like whatever happens happens but like back then I feel like it was like you everybody was like the celebrity you married so. for money usually you married like I right. feel like it was way more people had their eyes on your family you were the gossip columns yeah also because there wasn't that many people probably in one well, area for sure time. yeah for sure but that's so not fair that Corrine's fiance left her just because her sister yeah it's not fair, but I get Got it left. from that time period. And Corrine never, ever remarried. Yeah. She spent the rest of her life as a, what do they call it? Uh, maid, what is it called? Uh, you're looking at me, you're raised your eye. I wish people could see you. Um, okay, an old maid. Sorry, I was thinking old maid. She never got married. She ended up working at libraries and being a teacher and never ended up dying alone. Um, all because her sister... Got, got married a criminal, basically, and it's just not fair. After all these tragic events, Thomas Whaley built another home, um, not nearly like the Whaley Mansion. It was just a single-frame home for his family at 933 State Street in downtown San Diego. The family moved into the new residence, leaving the Whaley house vacant for over two two decades. For, I'm only, like, 20 years. They like, vacant as in... Nobody, nobody was there. there but nope. They didn't have a courthouse or anything no. either? No. Oh. It was vacant for two decades. Hmm. So I guess, what's his name? Yankee Jim had full run of the house. But I mean, they just, I don't know that their luck was any worse than any other family in the 1800s. I yeah. Mean, they, other than their daughter committing suicide, I don't think their baby dying was probably more normal than not normal of scarlet fever and, you know, meeting a criminal and having him move in, you know, move in your family. I think that it's not like that never happened. But the fact that Crean's husband or fiance left her and stuff, that none of that helped. So they moved down the street and left the house vacant. Francis Whaley married um, a lady named Susan in Mendocino, California. And then on December 14th, 1890, Thomas Whaley Sr. died due to ill health at the State Street address. The mom moved to Modesto to live with uh, Francis, and then she died in 1905. Meanwhile, the Whaley house remained vacant and fell into disrepair. 
After the mom and dad died, Francis decided to go back to San Diego from Mendocino in 1909 and undertook the restoration of the building. He turned the home into a tourist attraction where he posted signs promoting its history and he entertained visitors with his guitar. Corrine, Lillian, Francis, and George all lived at the old Boyley house. A year later, Francis, uh, two years later, Francis Whaley died in the house, and then George Whaley died in 1928. He didn't die in the house, so he died in San Diego. Corrine Lily Whaley, she stayed in the house until her death in 1953. So all the kids ended up going back there and living out their lives? Yeah, they kind of went back to the house, all of them did. Now they say that guests and staff from time to time will catch a glimpse of the ghost of the, one of the Whaley family members who died inside, such as Thomas Jr., Violet, Francis, George, or Crane, which is weird because a lot of people talk about seeing the mom too, and I don't believe them. From the records I found, because I went to find a grave, find a grave in Ancestry.com should pay me <laughs> again. Um, I believe the mom died in Medicino. I believe the mom died in Medicino, and she, but a lot of people talk about seeing her in the house now. But I guess, like, her kids went back there. Corrine went back there. Her daughter died there. Her son died there. There's a connection to that house. So, of course, they would probably all go back there. Yeah. It's the center. Center. It was the center of their life. They, they raised their children there on and off. I mean, clearly not all the time. But on and off they did. So all the kids went back. They lived out their lives there. And then that's when it's turned into the museum, which is what we went and saw. Um, well, they didn't get turned in the museum. She lived there until 1953, the oldest. And I don't think she didn't keep it up. After Francis died, it, he he had turned it into sort of an entertainment place for people to come. He'd play his guitar. Uh, after he died, Corrine just lived there by herself. And she was a librarian or a teacher. I believe she was a librarian. So she would not have, she wouldn't have done any of those things she just lived in the house by herself can you imagine you, you remember the house she would have been rambling around that house all by herself yeah I mean, how creepy is that uh when 1961 san diego the city of san diego i i have the actual name of the organization that took over the house it's the save our heritage organization soho took over the house in 2000 but in 1961 it was turned into a museum and they actually, they moved a bunch of different properties from San Diego to that property. So there's other outhouse, out, outer houses, not outhouses, <laughs> outer houses on the property that are all historical also, which I'm sure contribute to the things that they see in the house. There's, a, there's an adobe there. There's uh, the Verna house. And then they have um, two front store buildings that they added onto the house. But in the 1960s, they turned it into a museum. In 1962, a visitor to the museum, claiming to be a friend of Lillian Whaley's, said that Lillian had told her that the ghost had driven her family from there more than 60 years earlier, and that her mother was unnerved by the phantom walking around making noise in the windows opening and closing. So when they moved out of the house, it wasn't just because of the fire, it wasn't just because of Thomas, they were they were afraid of the haunted house right who knew i didn't know that part yeah i mean i knew all the stories people say that they see descendants of the whaley family they've um their children they hear children playing they've seen corrine standing on the stairs they've seen anna the mother walking up and down the stairs they've seen um predominantly the dad thomas whaley standing on the landing they hear footsteps disembodied noises 
and that the Whaley's, and people say that the Whaley's were scarred for their whole life because of the hauntings at the Whaley house. And even though baby Thomas was the first in the family to pass away, they believe that he always stayed close, and it's been reported by those who visit the home that they hear tiny footsteps and sound of him crying or even giggling. I didn't, when we went, I didn't feel like it was haunted. No, and we were really lucky. Like, you know when you go places and it's just like they have like a weird feeling and it's just kind of uncomfortable? Even if you do or don't know any history about like the house or wherever it is that you're at. But like, I didn't feel weird there and I felt uncomfortable there. No, but you, do you remember being really excited when we went there? That we got to go. And the reason that we got, we went there when we went there, because we went there at night. It was after dark. And it was because we, my husband has a family member who lived, grew up in San Diego, lived in San Diego her whole life. And she belonged to every single board there was. So she belonged to the board of the Whaley house and she got us in for free. She just called ahead and said that we were coming and to treat us well. And so the lady let us in the door. They had closed the doors for the night. I don't remember that. And we were, we were stupid ghost hunters. Like we were super excited. Remember we were taking pictures, but we were kind of running from room to room to room to room to room to room. Yeah. And being kind of crazy. Like, was it haunted here? Is it haunted here? Like we didn't take it very seriously. Well, yeah. So I think that if, if anyone stood a chance to find anything or see anything, it would have been us. And we didn't. I think we just treated it badly. But remember we heard um, the girl that worked there was telling us that one of the ghost shows had done an episode there. And they would never let another ghost show come because they had ruined the wood floors with duct tape. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. That they strapped down all their equipment and used duct tape instead of like a... right, And they destroyed parts of the stairs that had the original wood. Yeah. And they weren't happy about that. But I remember us being really kind of stupid about it. Like, we didn't we didn't take the opportunity that we had. Like, we could have sat in the court courthouse, which people report seeing a young girl dressed in gingham or calico with a bonnet-type hat. Not necessarily a bonnet, but a bonnet-type hat. And she sits weeping in the courthouse. No one can figure out who she is. And people have seen her day and night for years. People report the same thing, same dress and everything. And we could have just sat in that courthouse in the dark and we didn't take that opportunity. Because we were goofy. We, I really remember us being really goofy about this. Yeah. I mean, but even if we did it, I don't know that I would want to sit in the courtroom in the dark. And By yourself? No, and it, that was long before we had ever been part of any kind of paranormal investigation team. We didn't know what we were doing. But the fact that we didn't even attempt, because I remember we were upstairs completely by ourselves and I was taking pictures of you on the stairs and we took turns. Like, then I was still on the stair and you take a picture. And we're like, oh, we're going to catch some kind of ghost thing in a picture. And we never, we didn't catch anything. Yeah. But we weren't, we didn't behave properly. I, for as much attention as the house gets as being the most haunted place in America. And we had the opportunity to spend time there by ourselves. I didn't, I didn't feel, I'm like you, I didn't feel like yeah, it was. I didn't. We should preface that by saying that we don't have any gifts or any abilities we're not no. legitimately ghost investigators. Even now, years later, we're still, we're part of an investigation team, but neither one of us are investigators. I do the history and Haley does whatever is asked of her to do during events and things like that. But I mean, we, when I think back at how badly we behaved and how stupidly, like we had this great opportunity. The one thing I do remember though about being there 
is smelling something. Really? Like we smelled perfume. And I didn't remember that until I read that a lot of people say that they can smell the aroma of French perfume, which was Anna's signature scent. That I remember. I remember smelling it and I remember discussing it. But I think that we even talked about, I wonder if they spray something in there. That's what I was going to say. I was going to be like, being the cynical like, people person that, that I am, yeah. I'd be like, meh, it's a joke. They're, they they're just spray the couch it. with it or something. Yeah. But I do remember that. I do remember. And a lot of people talk about, discuss that, that they can smell Anna's scent in the house. Yeah. And it wasn't a happy house. For it not being a happy house either, I wasn't creeped out either. Because I, I, I tend to feel and believe that houses hold, buildings in general can hold negative energy. Yeah. I didn't, for as many tragedies as they had, and they had the baby die, the sister committed suicide, the other girl, fiance left her, the part of the building burnt. They had to move out of the house for 10 years or so. I didn't feel like it was a really sad, sad place, which is weird. I felt dumb saying that now that I said out loud and heard myself and people were hung in on that property. Why didn't we, I don't know. Maybe we need to go back. Maybe. We should go back. We should, maybe we could set something up with the team and actually do an investigation. Although they told us then when we were there, they were never going to do it again. I don't know if they have. Um, although no one has lived in the house since 1953, the spirits of the dead are still there waiting for visitors Workers on site and guests who have toured the house tell accounts of many unusual spooky encounters. A lot say they see a figure on the upstairs window long after the business has closed for the day. Others can see curtains moving when no one's been there and the house has been sealed shut. They hear sounds of children running up and down the footsteps in the front. Um, there's a veranda and people feel cold spots and see shadows that they feel, see, and then disappear. The Whaley staff says that they can't guarantee that you will see, feel, smell, or hear anything uh, out of the ordinary on your visit, but they can assure you that the entities that occupy the Whaley house are fully aware of your presence and anything you do or say. If you're quiet and listen carefully, you may indeed experience something from beyond the veil. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. Be sure to follow and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode. Until next time, I'm Kat. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.